Good morning, everybody. Thank you for coming to spend your Monday with us. Welcome to Panel Fest. Over the next two days, we're going to have 11 critical conversations on very important topics in the craft beer industry right now. We're going to start today off with strategies for a pandemic. But first, you know, we've invited Bruce with Precision Fermentation. They've been huge supporters of craft beer professionals. He's going to tell us a little about what they do for a minute before we dive into the conversation. Bruce, all you. Hey, thanks a lot, Andrew. Hi, everyone. We're very excited to sponsor our Craft Beer Professionals Panel Fest. Uh, just a, a few words about us. Precision Fermentation is the creator of Brew Monitor. It's a real-time fermentation monitoring and analytics system. Brew Monitor works with your existing tanks and delivers live fermentation data to your laptop or mobile device anytime, anywhere. It tracks, uh, sorry, tracking dissolved oxygen, gravity, pH, temperature, conductivity, and pressure in real time. The system provides approximately 140,000 data points over the course of a standard five-day fermentation, accessible through easy-to-use dashboards and graphs. Brew Monitor allows you to use any fermentation as a benchmark for all future batches of that style, eliminating guesswork and helping improve consistency. And the system automatically alerts you via text or email when any of the measured vi variables track outside of your desired range. Real-time fermentation monitoring allows you to quickly assess yeast vitality event problems, fine-tune recipes, and monitor cellar-related inconsistencies while providing greater process control for a more profitable enterprise. Visit precisionfermentation.com to download a free white paper or try a brew monitor for yourself with a no-risk money-back guarantee. And that's it about us. Thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. And we're proud, again, to sponsor this great event. And back to you, Andrew. No, thanks, Bruce. I hope you enjoy your Monday and good luck getting started. I never, you know, I know you never sleep and you're always working hard. So thanks again for joining us. And at this point in time, we're going to welcome our guests to the stage. So first up, Marcus, welcome to the conversation. Devin, welcome. Laura, and we've got John Hall, and we have got John Kelly. So I appreciate you five taking the time and joining us today for a conversation on strategies for a pandemic. What we're going to do, we're going to do a quick roundtable. Marcus, starting with you, 60 seconds or less. Tell everybody who you are and why you're here. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me here. Uh, my name is Marcus Lonish, and I'm the part-time marketing manager over at Timberyard Brewing Company out in East Brookfield, Massachusetts. So that's right in central Massachusetts, but an hour west of Boston. Uh, I'm also the owner and designer at Perfect Evolution, which is a uh, design and online marketing strategy agency for craft beer marketers. Uh, so... Uh, I have lots of experience in the craft beer industry, love drinking craft beer, obviously, which is a huge component of it, uh, but come from a design and uh, online marketing background as well. And while Marcus is here, thank you again for this amazing new Craft Beer Professionals logo. We're really excited to have it moving forward. Absolutely. My pleasure. Glad to see it. In Devin, you. you're up. Yeah, it's great. Um, hey, everybody. Devin Hoffman. Um, I'm a digital marketing specialist with SiteSeeker. We're a full service marketing agency here in Utica, New York. <clears throat> Um, but I've been with SightSeeker for about three years, but prior to that, I worked for about 10 years um, at the Saranac Brewery um, here in Utica as well in the gift shop tour center and event side. And so um, when I kind of transitioned from the brewing industry to the marketing industry, I wanted to stay as close to the brewing industry as I could. Um, so we, uh, we still try and focus um, a lot on helping brewery partners. And when the pandemic started, um, we started trying to get together information and ideas um, that could keep them top of mind and still help them move some product. And so obviously as this year has gone through, um, staying closely with groups like this one, we've continued to try and uh, you know help with, with some of those ideas. Thanks for being here, Devin. And Laura, yeah. you're up. Oh, okay, good morning, everybody. Um, I'm Laura Lodge. I am the, the founder consultant with craft beer programs, customized craft beer programs. Um, I also wrote a book called Distribution Insight. It's based on my experience with my brother in the distribution industry in the um, late 90s and early 2000s. And that's really where I was um, introduced to the craft beer industry. From that period of time, the Big Beers, Belgians and Barley Wines Festival was born and developed. And I have um, ended up expanding what I've done into um, the uh, resort world. I help with a lot of destination resorts develop craft beer programs and have since um, expanded beyond that to a lot of other uh, luxury programs that I've done and um, a lot of destination pairings and just kind of a 
a soup to nuts mix of things, all craft beer. So customized craft beer programs is the big umbrella for that stuff. I'm pleased to be here. I've been in the industry for a long time and it's nice to have such a distinguished panel to join. No, it's always great to learn from you, Laura. And I always enjoy our conversations, Laura. And John Hall, you're up. Yeah, I'm still not sure why I'm here, but I appreciate the invite. So thanks. Uh, well, for you can that, talk Andrew. about anything more than about even Laura. So you always have great wisdom to share and great opinions to put on the table. I feel like that's you saying that I'm really good at BS, which uh, I, I guess some people think that my profession is full of, but uh, I, I strongly disagree. I'm John Hall. I've been a journalist since 1996. I've been covering the beer industry for almost 20 years now. Uh, and these days I'm doing a lot of audio. So I'm the host of the weekly Drink Beer, Think Beer podcast with new episodes every Wednesday. I'm co-host of Steal This Beer, which has been on the air for six years now that I do with Augie Carton. That's every Monday. And then, of course, the BYO Nano podcast, which comes out on the 15th of every month. And that's partnered with uh, Brew Your Own Magazine uh, as well. I've written a couple of books. Uh, and these days, I'm also the contributing editor at Wine Enthusiast Magazine, where I do all of the blind beer reviews and some editorial coverage. And so uh, I'm, I'm all over the place these days, but uh, but loving covering a dynamic and uh, changing industry. So uh, thanks again for, for having me. No, glad to have you. Glad to have you on the other side of the table this time around. <laughs> and John Kelly, you're up. All right. Well, guys, I'm John Kelly. Uh, I am the CEO and co-founder of Craft Peak. Uh, if you guys are familiar with Craft Peak or are not familiar with Craft Peak, we are an Asheville, North Carolina-based technology startup. Uh, we've been around for about five years. Uh, we work with breweries all over the U.S., some in the U.K. and Australia. And really, uh, we designed Craft Peak as an organization that would be able to kind of get in the trenches with breweries, uh, understand some of their most critical business challenges, and then develop technology solutions to, to do that. So we have a suite of uh, innovative e-commerce and web solutions that are really empowering breweries to kind of change the way they do business. And we spend a lot of effort with strategy, getting the right people in place and implementing the right technologies to kind of help our breweries uh, address uh, new markets and, and kind of uh, navigate this digital transformation. Well, John Kelly, it's nice to talk to you on a day other than Wednesday. I know that's when we normally have our conversations, but <laughs> glad to pull you out on a Monday to share some wisdom with the group. Monday works too, man. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Now, Laura, you were one of the last people that I actually had the opportunity to see before this pandemic started. I remember when I first came up to you in Richmond, I didn't know whether I should hug you, shake your hand or give you a high five or an elbow. And it was kind of like an awkward moment between you and I right then and there because you were like, I don't know if I want to touch him type thing. And that was right when, you know, we were first learning what COVID was. And I think at that Accelerate workshop in Richmond a couple of days after it ended, that's really when the world shut down. So, I mean, just thinking back, that was early March. So much has changed when we've had these conversations early on about what you can do to survive a pandemic. I mean, it's almost silly to think back to these conversations we had in April, and now we're in December still having similar conversations. But it's really fun to look back and see what's been successful, what hasn't been successful, and just really take it and try to get a plan forward, because that's something we didn't have before. And now I think we have more of a plan, what we can do to at least make it through. Now, in October 20, I put out a survey that was answered by over 2,000 respondents, and it asked, what are the top three criteria for visiting a brewery? And 62% of people said the beer quality. Obviously, the beer is the anchor of our industry. It's hugely important. In December, a few days ago, I put out another study, and I asked, you know, when you're picking up beer to go, what criteria are you looking for? And 72% said the beer selection and beer quality. So beer quality and selection is a little bit more important than when you go to a brewery because when you're going at home you don't get that overall experience but over the past decade you know in 2010 we saw a little less than 2,000 breweries now we're at over 8,000 breweries at the most recent brewers association count but with the tap rooms closed right now you know what had become a differentiating factor over the past decade that tap room experience it's changed a whole lot as we know and in the current state of things, how can we keep that human connection there? What are some of the suggestions that you guys have seen to maintaining that engagement with your guests when we're trying to still have these in-person you know, interactions through the pandemic? The floor is anyone who wants to jump on that one. I'll dive in here. Uh, so over at Timber, we we've kind of rethought a lot of our tap room space. So kind of, you know, working with what we got and kind of rethinking and zooming out a little bit. Um, so our 
tap room and brew house uh, was an old lumber yard. So we basically refurbished it and kind of kept that same uh, kind of industrial aesthetic, right? Wood and industrial piping and that kind of vibe to it. Um, but in our back where our brew house actually is, uh, has very high ceilings because it was made for big box trucks to actually drive through and pick up their lumber. So we turned that into a drive-through brewery. So you can basically purchase cans at the beginning. Uh, we built a basically like a little ATM like kiosk uh, with plexiglass for our staff to be in. Swipe the credit cards. Uh, they literally, a car will literally drive through the back of our brew house. They'll have all of our fermenter tanks uh, on the side and everything. And as they punch in the order, it gets printed over to a receipt near the walk-in cooler where we have some other staff members. And as they're pulling around the corner, you know, they're Instagramming it, they're putting it up on, they're going Instagram live, whatever. There, there is some social media engagement that's happening because it's a really cool experience for them. Um, they're sitting in their car. Uh, our staff goes into the walk-in cooler, gets a couple four packs or a case or whatever. They pop the trunk, put it in the trunk, and then they're out through the other side of the garage door. So they literally, no contact, uh, but it's a really cool experience. Uh, and we've kind of had to rethink a lot of that. Uh, little to no construction, thankfully, um, but it, it's really made a, a huge impact. Uh, a, obviously, to keep our can sales and to-go sales pretty high uh, during a pandemic, but also a fun experience to keep that customer engagement level very high as well. Um, so we've really uh, had some great experience with that. We kind of resurfaced it uh, around Halloween to do a, a haunted drive-through. So keeping the same route, but having some crazy spooky dancers uh, off poles and having uh, people volunteer to scare people basically as they're coming through to get their cans, uh, you know, rethinking that a little bit more, something a little fun. Um, and then on the online side, we ramped up our Shopify store a bit uh, and really focused on our web experience because, uh, you know, merchandise is huge right now, especially uh, with to-go can sales and not having that taproom experience. So all those have been successful. I'd love to hear what everyone else kind of did as well. Were the people scaring people just simply not wearing any mask? <laughs> there were a couple, yes. <laughs> no. Marcus, you know, as a brewery owner though, have you seen more focus on trying to maintain engagement or more focus mainly on trying to keep that COVID friendly environment? I think it's a, a little mixture of both, to be honest. Um, which we're, we're doing everything uh, per the Massachusetts standards and guidelines that obviously are ever changing. Um, but we obviously want to keep the engagement level. Um, and thankfully, we have a very large tap room. We have a lot of outdoor space as well for a uh, beer garden. So in the summer months, it was great. People were more than happy to go outside and uh, sit outside and have a beer. And we had some socially distanced musicians playing way out as well. So thankfully and gratefully, we have a lot of land to do that. Uh, now that it's getting colder here up in New England, uh, it's a little bit harder uh, to to have people come to the tap room. People want to just get their cans and, and food to go, uh, which is fine. You know, it's still supporting us, uh, which we're thankful for. Uh, but yeah, it's still it's been a struggle to, to balance that both. Well, thanks for sharing all that. You know, I, I've been talking with a lot of brewers over the course of the pandemic. And the way that I've sort of seen the evolution is brewer owners, tap room staff, anybody at a brewery who's interacting with the public, has really seen not just a transactional relationship that maybe there was in the past, but this sort of shared experience that everybody's in it together, that everybody is wearing a mask, everybody is thinking about everybody's safety, um, and that it's brought a new level of consumer engagement and consumer respect to a lot of businesses, certainly breweries as well. Uh, one brewery owner told me not too long ago, uh, that he's learning to smile with his eyes, uh, that, you know, that he's trying to, to really make that connection with people to, to exude warmth that normally he would, you know, try to smile or, you know, give away, but something that, that sort of conveys that because it's those small personal touches. It's, it's those small human interactions that I think so many people are missing right now that any brewery that can uh, uh, connect with people on a level aside from an elbow bump or, you know, you know, a, a, a long distance wave is going to do really well uh, in this whole thing. And of course, you know, can sales and merch and everything else like that is important. But any way that you can show genuine human interaction or affection uh, is so needed right now and leaves the customers who are who are leaving your place uh, with a better sense of, of, of service and place and warmth. You know, so far, both Marcus and John Hall have talked about like to go as being an option that we're seeing more and more of these days. Do either of you have any suggestions for maintaining that level of engagement during the to go experience? 
I, I think if you have that five or ten seconds with a with a customer, um, it's you know getting into a good headspace of being like, okay, like this is a unique interaction for this person. It might be rote for me at this point, but for the person who's coming through the door, this is going to be a unique interaction with them. So you just have to keep that top of mind. You know, if you're having a tough day, um, you know, sometimes that's going to slip. But you know, treating everybody like they're an island, like a silo, uh, because of you know, the interaction level. I think goes a long way. Yeah. I'll echo that a little bit and just say, you know, trying to treat every customer like it's their first experience and really nurturing your current customers as well. So especially with such a short uh, interaction through like a drive-through, for example, or someone's just popping in to grab cans into the tap room and then they're out, that's still uh, just as valuable, if not even more valuable than someone sitting in your tap room for an hour and a half uh, having beer and that whole experience as well. So. Our, our staff is, is trained not only to know how to talk about beer and our beer specifically and, you know, help the uh, potential customer, but also, you know, just like John Hall said, be be a human, be have empathy towards the customer. We're all going through this at the same time. We're all trying to figure out how to smile with the mask on, things like that. You know, it's like we're all people at the end of the day. So let's be treated with equal respect and have a great experience. At the end of the day, we're all just drinking beer, you know. Yeah, guys, I'll jump in. Just I've also to, seen some. To maybe echo. Oh, go ahead, Lauren. Laura, I'm sorry. Oh, just quickly, I've also seen some super community connection between um, off-premise liquor stores and, and their local breweries. Um, there are some that don't normally package, and I saw one of our off-premise liquor stores reaching out to his local brewery saying, hey, can we offer you some shelf spots? Can we engage and bring you in in a place where you might not normally want to or, you know, have done the work to be in, but we obviously know you need that and we're happy to be that community support for you. And I thought that was really cool. And Laura, because you are such an educator, what best solutions have you seen for breweries being able to educate you know, their guests, whether about their beer, their story, just their current COVID related practices through the pandemic so far? Any favorites? Um. Well, I've seen a lot of, of online pivot, um, which I'm sure everybody here could address. Um, I think one of the more interesting places is how the, the off-premise liquor stores have tried to continue their education attempts and their um, interface with their customers while not having the same opportunity to visit with them and how, how to make that online shopping experience work at all, really. Um, but I've seen a lot of successful brewery pivots. I think more breweries really need to jump on the bandwagon there. Um, a lot more of, of happy hours or product launches or brewery tours or tasting with the brewmasters, you know, things like that that you can really offer if you put it out there and get that connection going. I think that's a good tie-in for John Kelly right now because John Kelly and Arrive, Craft Beacon Arrive, put out a recent study and one data point really jumped out at to me. It was that only 18% of the breweries that responded are currently doing virtual events. So John, you know, tell us a little bit about what you think about that stat and kind of follow up with what Laura said about just, you know, how we can engage and she touched on the virtual events. Yeah, well, I, I, uh, my opinion of that stat is that it shows us that we've got a, a, a lot of room for growth. There's a lot of green space out there with people wanting to have uh, and trial different kinds of events. Um, and I think it's, you know, I, I'm so glad to see how this conversation got kicked off because, Marcus, I think your example of Timberyard is like a perfect example of like what I want people to hear about how breweries are like adapting themselves. And, you know, between you and John, the discussion around humans, I mean, it's so easy in a, in a technology company. I've spent a lot of years in technology where, you know, you're getting too focused on the uh, on the code and on the on the capabilities that it's always really important to make sure that at the end of the day, it's always about human connection. You know, uh, no matter what you're using, it's still connecting with humans. And I think there's a couple of things that that brands uh, and Marcus, I, I, I think you guys are already doing a great job of this. And I'll, I'll have some questions for you maybe as part of this panel discussion of what that looks like for you guys moving forward, because I think it's a great template uh, for a lot of breweries. But I think um, what we're talking about here is the interaction between a brand and your customer base. And what we're finding is that um, it really comes down to a couple of things. The brand, you know, uh, right now consumers are, are the first question that they're asking is, are we going to be safe? Are we going to be safe interacting with you? 
The second thing is, am I going to be able to get what I want? Well, that comes back to the quality of beer, but it's also the access that you provide. So what Marcus has done and what I see other breweries doing is changing and innovating the way that they've traditionally done business. You know, it used to be that we showed up in the tap rooms, we had the beer and, you know, we, we had that experience. Well, that's not a possibility for us anymore. So the, the, the really thought uh, forward thinking and, and thought leaders out there in the brewery space are, are changing that model but they're still providing access and it's access to consumers in the way that they feel most comfortable with your brand. Some people are gonna be ready to go right now. They wanna come back full bore. They're gonna be hanging outside. Great. There's others that are gonna be a little bit more skeptical. There's gonna be people that wanna adhere to some of the, the safety protocols. So I think the, the what I've seen is the evolution of craft beer brands and really uh, um, that's all craft beverage brands that are now looking for different ways to connect with those consumers while maintaining that human element. Now they're leveraging technology a lot of times to do it, but you can't, you can't forget the human element in this. You can't forget the customer experience that you're trying to achieve and make sure that your tools are working in support of that. So just a, a couple of thoughts for you, Andrew. No, thanks for sharing. Devin, I'd like to throw the floor to you because that touches on a lot of things that you're interested in. Yeah, and and, and I think, um, and Marcus, your example of what you're doing is, is you know, one of the the best I've heard. Um, and one of the things early on that that I had seen or that I would try and preach to people is just clarity of process information, whether it's signage at the actual brewery itself, if there was a drive-in or just outside. Um, I knew places that were doing pre-orders and then you would call when you get there. But if there wasn't a sign telling the person that, they were just jamming on the door trying to get in. Um, but also, you know, in utilizing social media so that there was clarity for people who maybe were planning to visit you. Um, what I think has been really incredible of, of utilizing opportunity in this year, and I'll speak kind of specifically to what I've seen here in New York. Um, previously, breweries weren't allowed to ship direct to consumers here in New York, and they temporarily lifted that. And early on, going back to like March and April, a lot of the discussions I was having um, Brewers were like, eh, I don't know if that's going to make enough of a difference to, you know, to open that that can of worms. And when they finally said, let me try it, they almost couldn't keep up because there were so many orders coming in. I knew people who had to stop orders because they literally couldn't fit the boxes in their truck to take to the post office. Um, and that gave an opportunity to do some of those events because now you could put product in front of people. Um, I had an opportunity to, to try beers that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to try just because they were maybe too far away from me or weren't distributed in my area. And I saw them post on Facebook or in an Instagram story or in one way or another put out there, hey, we're shipping this is a you know social distancing themed beer. And I'd say, okay, I'm gonna jump on this and I wanna get this. And, and there was maybe a, you know, a four week window where I just kept having boxes of beer sort of delivered to my door, but it, it gave me an opportunity to, you know, try new things and, and also support. Um, but then that's kind of where the thought came in, John, to your point of, um, you know, what's the next step of that? Now, how can you tie that into an event? Maybe it is something where it's a virtual brewery tour with the brewmaster and I'm actually drinking the beer that they were brewing, you know, in real time um, and in some of the different elements like that. And so um, I think, you know, actually, you know, looking at opportunities to kind of continue with those sales um, and then tying that into like clarity. Um, and actually another thing I've seen, if you told me a year ago today that there would be breweries doing direct to door delivery, um, you know, it would have, I, I would have thought I'd be excited a year later, but I, uh, I never saw myself on Google maps trying to map out what a 45 mile radius. And if I fell into this circle so frequently, um, but I just thought that was a cool opportunity because there are people who, like you said, Andrew, who are going to be lining up at the door, tell me what I got to do and I'm coming in. But there will very much also be people who are like, I'm not, you know, and so how do you get things into their hands as well? So I think there's been a lot of great things that I've seen this year to do that. There's so many good points we can touch on from what you've just said, Devin, but I want to first focus on like the social media aspect. You mentioned that you saw it on Instagram, Facebook, wherever. You know, how have breweries had to step up their social media games through all this? You know, when I look at the taproom experience before it was just posting about the, you know, the experience, the beer. Now they're also posting about how they're adhering to COVID protocol. Do you believe, and Devin, we'll start with you on this one. 
that just the social media presence of breweries has gotten more complicated, more detailed. How has it really changed the past, you know, since March? Yeah, I think, um, and it's a great point, and, and I think it it created a, a need for more regular um, transparency of information. If I looked at a pinned post that was done in May and it said, here's our COVID guidelines, by the next day, that probably wasn't, you know, what those guidelines were anymore because it changed so frequently. So there there was this, this need to consistently put information out there so people knew and because not even just at their location, but maybe their region, their state, things are, are constantly changing. Um, but aside from like that, from a here's what we're doing within what we're able to do, um, I think I saw, uh, you know, I did, I saw a huge uptick in people, you know, creating something to engage with. I mean, people, when they first had to be kind of stuck inside and the weather wasn't great going back into like March and April, and now we're starting to see that again now, um, they just want something different to do. They don't want to watch Netflix anymore. You know, they don't want to. And so they turn to their phone. And so I would spend hours watching Instagram live stories of breweries filling prowlers, but like talking us through if they knew the person or a story or something. And I was like, oh, this is pretty neat. Um, and, and so it was something for me to engage with. And I learned about a lot of new breweries through doing that. Um, I mean, even this this group, Andrew, that you've created, I think if I had to figure out how many breweries I follow, it's probably 75 times more than it was six months ago, um, which has been fantastic for learning what other places are doing. Um, but what I also think has been huge because I've seen them is they're starting to run a little bit more social advertising and they're going after audiences of people like me who are interested in the product. And so I see as I scroll through my feed, a lot of posts about in-state for New York, at least, um, shipping that's available. And I'll constantly jump on it, whether it's Facebook or Instagram and say, oh, yep, I want to pick up a four pack of that or something um, because they're targeting me. Now, that's a great addition. And we have a question in the comments that's pretty relevant right now. Josh at Carbach Brewing, he commented that they're shifting away from more so virtual beer dinners, brewery tours, and focusing more on short form educational outreach content like that. In, in the current state, you know, six months ago, we saw a lot of brewery dinners on Facebook, Instagram that were, you know, somewhat successful. But now, what are some of the examples that you five have seen that have been good current methods that breweries are using to outreach via social media besides you know your typical posts like what type of you know virtual events these days are working laura or john have you guys seen anything you know unique yeah, yeah I, think, I think i was talking into mute there so you know typical uh <laughs> typical zoom behavior for me um you know, I think the uh, uh, Devin brought up a good example. Uh, Devin, and I don't know if you were using a specific example when you were kind of describing the the virtual tour and knowing that we've got an audience member that's kind of moving away from it. But um, if you look at, you know, we look at our breweries for inspiration and, you know, we've got a lot of uh, a lot of people doing some really creative and interesting things. And I think if, if you guys are familiar with like Duration Brewing in the UK or Two Tribes, I think those are two examples of brands that are really doing some cool stuff. Um, now, one of them is a virtual tour, but it's just like the example that Devin was talking about where what you do is you sign up for it, you get four beers sent to you, you get a, a, a notebook from a local artist, and what they're gonna do is they're gonna send that package to you you're going to get it and then everybody gets on for a virtual tour of that brewery and they go through a virtual tasting with the brewer so you've got the beers sitting in front of you they're all going through the same thing and it's it's ended up being uh so they started that kind of in the april time frame and it's something that they've just been building off of consistently so they started off with like a great concept and it's just something that's kind of taken off Two Tribes, as another example, is really moving more towards what we're seeing a lot of our American breweries uh, start to request. So we've got breweries that are shipping beer all over the place, you know, curbside pickup, uh, delivery. Uh, and what what Two Tribes is doing is they're basically, you know, they're leaning into the kind of the lockdowns that were going on in the UK. They're putting together what they call a lockdown box. Their brewers are going to select, you know, 
12 beers that they're going to put in that box. Uh, these are former executive of Island Records, so they're going to put a, a vinyl record in there. They're going to put a, a recipe for a dinner. They're going to send you some hot sauce for that dinner. They're going to send you some other tools. And it's a monthly subscription now that you get that box once a month showing up on the doorstep. And each, each month is kind of a new story and new collection. So I think that we're just beginning to scratch the surface with where these concepts can go. But I think, you know, the inspiration is there. There's a lot of people that are doing some really fascinating things, but you look at Instagram for inspiration, you look at what some of the the breweries are doing out there that are, are doing things a little bit differently. And I think that there's really going to be the opportunity to, to kind of improve on uh, what we're seeing in the market today. Anybody else have anything they want to add to that point? I'd probably say, yeah, I think what it what it's seeing is people who want to do versus watch, you know, and so it's kind of a question of, you know, how does it become more interactive? Um, one thing I, I saw some places do that, that just is really neat is they started creating homebrew kits of their beers. And um, so they're going to ship you all the things it would take to brew their beer and um and, and the examples I've seen, it's essentially a kit that comes, but I, I think it'd be really neat to kind of go that next step and then say, you know, and you can tune in at a certain time if you buy this and we're going to kind of walk you through that process. I know there's a brewery out in Buffalo, that uh, Big Ditch Brewing Company that did it, and I think their kit sold out in like 40 minutes. Um, and so just kind of, you know, for people that live near or far and, and know the brand or want something to do over these next couple of weeks, it, it, it's beer themed, it's brand themed, it's people themed, um, but it's more than essentially just watching. Yeah, I, I think you truly have to innovate. And I, I presented it at a course the other day, and I literally said, you know, if we have to drink every time we hear the word innovation pivot through all this, we'd all be just wasted already by, you know, 11 in the morning. But innovation is so important during this whole pandemic, because if you're not innovating, you're falling behind. And Devin, that example you just gave of just a homebrew kit and it's selling out immediately is a really cool example. And Marcus, your example of the haunted brew house, they're just really unique examples, how you're making the most of a bad situation. Looking at these innovations as a whole and just keep drinking everybody at home if you're playing along, what are some of the coolest innovations you've seen your other breweries do and other clients that you're working with do that they've done to make it through this pandemic? And on the other hand, you know, have you seen anything that's been a complete fail? But anyone who's even had those complete fails, everything is worth trying. I think that's important that whether it's going to succeed or fail, you don't know. You're really just trying to you know, hold on to and survive the best you can. But looking at the innovation, innovations, what have you five seen that's been very successful or at least unique through the pandemic? Yeah, I'm always happy to jump in on this one, guys. <laughs> so um, I, I think it's exactly what you said, Andrew. Like, as long as you're trying something right now, like that goes a long way. And and if you're trying something, you're measuring the results and you're iterating right now, That that's a recipe for success. And I think like, you know, um, that's really important. I think that's inspirational for uh, for a lot of breweries to hear. You know, we had a number of breweries that were maybe sitting on their hands in the in the very beginning, um, and we had others that kind of like we started adapting right away. And there's a significant difference between the ones that have continued to iterate. Like once again, their businesses are probably not going to look the same they did a year ago today, um, but you know they they found a way to make it work. And I think the the other thing is that the the breweries that are taking the opportunity to reach out right now. Um, you know, there's a, a Devin brought up a great example, but there's many examples out there where breweries are actually increasing their market share because they're connecting with consumers in different ways in different places that they've never done before. It used to be I had to be in town, in your geography, with your tap room open for me to be a customer of yours. Now, if I've got a 24-7 store and you're going to ship me beer, that opens up an entire new world. And the breweries that are taking advantage of that, the breweries that are going after that are, are going after market share that was probably owned by other breweries that might be you know, not, not being able to kind of connect with, with folks in that way. You know, it's interesting to that point though, because right now COVID has helped relax some of the state laws that allow for shipping beer, that allow for getting out of state, allow for delivery, allow for all of that. We don't know what's going to happen after COVID. And I know that a lot of the local guilds are working towards that, but the breweries that are benefiting from that now should really also be thinking about the long game because now that it's 
been out there. We've seen that it works uh, and that it's working for them uh, and working for your individual state. There's really no reason to roll back these laws uh, that were in place beforehand. So uh, I'm hearing that a lot of breweries are working with their local guilds because that's where the real power is these days in the local guilds. You know, the, the National BA, uh, I think, is still trying to fight the, the fight on Capitol Hill, which which is great. But aside from that, uh, the real fights are going to be on the local level with changing the beer laws. And so if brewers are not involved with what's taking place in their state houses and behind the scenes and with their governors and their uh, local ABC boards. Now is the time to get involved because that stuff can be snatched back almost immediately when executive orders are rolled back and emergency orders are rolled back. And so the breweries that are surviving on that with that lifeline right now, that's not guaranteed. So the work has to be done on, on at, in every state and every area right now to make sure that that can continue if that's something that has been viable and that they want them you know want yeah. to continue yeah john, john that is such a great point and i'm glad you said that because there are you know i know especially down here in north carolina there are all the breweries associations in the southeast are now teaming up to to make this a more uh, cohesive effort and you're absolutely right these are temporary relaxations in many cases that exist right now but as we talk to former regulators as we're talking to leadership at at FedEx as we're talking to leadership at Sovo Ship Compliant there's a lot of indicators here that these things can become permanent um, because they've rolled them back, things have gone great. <laughs> as long as you know things don't go bad, they they there's a there's not a strong argument to to put those things back in place. But this is this is the time to do it. This is the time to organize. This is the time to keep pushing this forward. And if we really want, if we really believe in the the economic force from the eight thousand breweries that are that are in the U.S. Uh, you know, we really believe that they should have the right to sell their beer. We look at wine and we compare it to what's going on in beer. There's a distinct difference there. So the opportunity is to at least get to where wine is <laughs> and hopefully beyond that. And I think that we have we've been moving in that direction. COVID has certainly accelerated that. But, John, you bring up a great point that those things can go back unless we really start to be more active in our participation in that at this point. Thanks, John Kelly. <laughs> and gentlemen and Laura, I, I think, you know, we can all agree on a couple things today. You know, e-commerce is necessary. If a brewery doesn't have that store on their website right now, they're already behind. And we also hope that, you know, all these regulations don't go away. But craft beer, we hear drink local, drink local, drink local. But when we're talking about things like Devin, you mentioned getting beer shipped to you. There's also the think national approach there, too. Is there a certain look of brewery that we're seeing more successful with the e-commerce style and and laura i'd love to hear your insight on this like thinking from the distribution angle you know are all breweries going to be successful trying to ship their beer nationwide or what is the ideal profile of a brewery who's going to succeed with these larger and greater ideals of just getting their beer to more people outside their you know own region and I on the other hand are going to fail at it? um well i think you're seeing breweries of all sizes and all stripes attempting this now, um, some of which are positioned to succeed and some of which haven't really been on a national platform with this kind of direction before. So I think it's going to be those who understand how to connect on a national scale, how to get the word out there, um, that they are available for direct-to-consumer shipping, for example, um, where they haven't been before. Some of these breweries are tiny, tiny, tiny and had no um, plan to be on any sort of national scale for the next few years because they need to build their brand locally. And all of a sudden they're jumping on to a national direct-to-consumer plan. So I think it's going to be how you can translate your, your brand and your identity and your story and how savvy you really are on social media because right now there's not really another way to do that. You need to get people to your website. Your website needs to talk about who you are in a very clear way in order to make that happen. And you're going to have to have all of your shelf stability stuff in order that you may not have had to, to really deal with if you were only operating from a tap room. You might not have had to deal with the packaging issues and the, the longevity issues and, and all of the, the ways to do or not to do on a direct-to-consumer national shipping basis. So I think there's a number of components there um, that are really going to test that newbie that doesn't really have packaging or shipping in mind from the communication of the website and the branding success and 
and the actually getting beer to you, the end consumer, in a way that is the, the way they want you to drink it. Um, so it's going to be a or is currently a test to see who can do that. And the people who um, really succeed at that, I think, are the ones that are going to make the most um, from this opportunity. Now, Marcus, I'd like to ask you, because you're the only brewery owner in the room right now, you know, have you guys launched, I'm sure, I know you have a store on the website, but have you thought about shipping outside of your area? Uh, we have not really. We've kind of kept it more in the local uh, side of things. We did sign in with a sign on with a distro company at the beginning of COVID to kind of ramp up a lot of the production uh, that is in relation to kind of getting our, our uh, cans to more visibility, you know, so we're uh, about an hour and a half uh, outside of Boston. So our bureau is not making it even out to Boston, never mind Western Mass, never mind, you know, upstate New York or Devon, like, you know, that whole area. So we've signed on with that uh, and that's helped increase the visibility there. Um, but we haven't even thought about, you know, shipping beer, basically. we It's been all merch and gift cards and stuff like that, you know, easy, easy soft items to kind of ship um, and keeping it simple. Um, like uh, like Laura said, just kind of keeping it, you know, making sure that you have the, the uh, core foundation in place of your website, your branding, your store. Uh, I'm sure John Kelly has lots of thoughts on this as well. Diving uh, <laughs> into getting a solidified foundation, you know, before you can, put uh, really emphasize and put marketing dollars behind anything, you need a core a solid foundation of your branding and website and packaging and, and everything else like that. Um, I think that's first and foremost before we even talk about pivoting, because obviously we all know first impressions are first impressions for a reason. Um, you know, they need to be uh, on point before, before the business can pivot because of this whole pandemic thing. You have to have the foundation and uh, solidification uh, in place first. Yeah, Marcus, I'll, I'll jump in. I, I appreciate that, man. And I'll, I'll try not to get on my soapbox here. But I think keeping it simple is absolutely right. You know, um, there are certain brands that announce that they're going to be shipping and they're not going to have a problem selling out all of their beer. We all know who those brands are. And, and there's one strategy for those brands. But let's not be deluded to believe that that's a strategy that's necessarily going to work for, for everybody else. So, um, Let's see. I think that uh, what what we'd like to do is absolutely make sure that you've got a solid foundation, but keep it simple. Maybe if you're considering shipping, start by rolling it out to like within your state to a, an area that you don't typically service and then like develop a beachhead and then build from there. So I think keeping it simple is is the right approach. You know, if we know that there's certain brands that can ship everywhere, but I think, you know, understand what your market is, understand where you're trying to go, think about it as as developing a new market and start simple and and build on that. Can I, can I just say though that a lot of breweries that I've been talking to over the last 9 months have really sort of dialed into their local market. And it's nice to think about the other parts of the state or other states or, or going from there. But it's, it, it's also helpful to realize, like, how much does your local community actually know about your brewery? You know, how much like, do they even know you exist? You know, 8,000 breweries in the country and a lot of folks who are watching this and in this, this chat room right now, we all live in this sort of bubble where you know, craft beer is front and center for everything. The majority of the public still don't know. 13% of beer drinkers are still craft drinkers at this point. That's a very small number. Uh, so before you start thinking about going out of state or even out of county, are you doing as much as you can to get your local folks covered? Because they are the ones ultimately, I think, who will keep you going if you're especially a small brewery, you know, making a thousand barrels of beer or less a year. Um, so think about that. These are great grand plans for a five-year plan and everything. But I think most people are thinking about the next five weeks, the next five months, uh, you know, before they can they can think that much further. And so, you know, it, 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 it makes sense to sort of look around you and see what you can do better there, because that's also not going to stress you out or tax your business too much uh, time-wise, financially, et cetera, going forward. Investing John John. is always a better idea. Yeah, John and John, you both put great insight in there. John Kelly, you mentioned about we all know who the big guys are who are able to succeed on the national level with this shipping. And John Hall, you talked a lot about why it's important to go local. Now, 
Devin, I'd like to turn the table to you on this one. What marketing strategies that have been cost effective have you seen that breweries have been really using to kind of own their local area? I was at a meeting with some entrepreneurs the other day, and one of the people there with me said, your goal as a business person should be to own the mile. And what they meant by that was the, the area closest to where you're operating. And, and while, you know, there's a lot of community in craft beer and there could be a couple breweries within the mile, you know, there's, it's very, very important that your most loyal customer base is probably going to be the people closest to you. Devin, how can we connect virtually with them? And what are the best marketing strategies you've seen to succeed with that? Yeah, and, and that's a great question. And, and speaking specific to this area, it's very interesting. Um, maybe three years ago, um, I think there was two breweries um, and, and, you know, within 30 miles of me. And now, you know, there's probably nine or 10, um, three of which have opened in the last six or eight months. Um, and, and so they're, those ones have a very, to John Hall's point, you know, they're not opening their doors and saying, you know, how do I infiltrate the West Coast? Because <laughs> um, they're just not there. Um, because even when they opened, they couldn't fill cans or crowlers or growlers or anything. They could only do pints just because of their size. So what they had to do is get awareness out there and, and, and let people know. Um, and a lot of conversations I've had with friends locally, they'd say, oh, wait, I didn't know a new place opened, you know, over there or something like that. What I've seen, though, not necessarily locally, but on a larger scale, and it goes back to a word you, you said earlier, but it was um, it, it was creativity. Um, and what I've seen is, is breweries have rolled out new beers. One of the things that people would text me um, pictures of as they saw them in, in different areas, you know, wherever they may live, were things that, that kind of were themed about, you know, what we're going through. It was just an IPA, but it had, a, you know, it was named, a design was put together, low, you know, branding, you know, around doing haircuts in their bathroom themselves, you know, or leaving the camera on on a Zoom call when they go to the bathroom or something, you know, something like that. I saw a lot of those and to the point where it stopped people in a store or while they were online and they would take a screenshot or a picture to, to send to me and say, well, this is pretty cool. And usually I'd say grab a four pack or grab the can if you can and save it for me because I'd like to kind of make a row of those for down the road and say, you know, I, I remember that. And, and so it was... You know, it, it was leveraging creativity in a time, you know, there's no secrets of, you know, what's what's going on. Everyone kind of is, is, you know, going through the same thing, but it's, you know, trying to um, have a little fun, you know, not push to the, the side of, you know, not looking at the severity of, of what's going on, but really saying like, you know, we're all in this and, you know, I've been stuck in the house for two straight weeks kind of thing and in, in and do that kind of thing or toilet paper shortages or whatever it may be. I saw a lot of that and and those things got shared and those things kind of pushed out from a marketing standpoint. Yeah, if I can chime in and make a really corny analogy here with the music industry. So in my past life, I was in the music industry playing bands and being a promoter. And the way that I've kind of, this, this constant comparison or parallel that I've been seeing is there's breweries, like Devin said, that are just starting up and their local bands playing in their local circuit, playing small 200 capacity clubs or smaller. And they're not gonna go book a tour to go play Chicago when they're from Massachusetts because no one's gonna show up. So the way I see it is there's distribution companies, which are the record labels in this scenario. And there's the breweries, which are the bands. And you have to own your market or own your mile, I think was the term that, uh, the phrase that someone just used. Um, so, in the music industry, the recommendation is before you start touring and trying to book, book these big places and book tours and try to make it big, you obviously have to own your mile and play your local market and sell those places out first before you can you can expand to larger markets. You know, obviously there's a devil's advocate uh, play here that you can, you know, choose the opposite side. But to to really scale properly, I feel like uh, you know my my constant parallel and comparison is being a local band versus being a nationally touring band. That's my bad analogy for the day. I think it's a and good I analogy. It's a good one. The record industry comparison is a very interesting one because, you know, while craft beer and the hospitality industry has been really hurt, I think the music industry is arguably suffering even worse than, you know, the craft beer industry these days. So no matter how bad and rough things get for us, unfortunately, there are people suffering more than craft beer. You know, just to that point really quick, we've seen uh, one of the trends this year has been that the, the charitable causes beer uh, you know, we saw the all together and then black is beautiful, which did a, which did a great job. Uh, the happy hour guys who have been doing web TV shows for a while, Jimmy and Mark, uh, they just came up with the curtains up 
Beer Initiative, and I think they have a website for that, but it's uh, brewing an IPA that they made with uh, Gun Hill. It's the, the available recipe out for everybody uh, with proceeds going to help local arts communities, uh, musicians, actors, uh, folks who are out of work because of the pandemic right now. But uh, Curtains Up uh, is uh, just, a, they're, they're all friends of mine, so I wanted to, to give them a little love and uh, brewers that have done some of these other beers should probably check them out as well. So that's an interesting transition there, John. We've seen so many collaboration beers right now. And just like all of us have, you know, what we refer to as like Zoom fatigue, social media fatigue. What are your thoughts, John Hall, on collaboration fatigue? Do you believe breweries are getting tired of doing all of these collaborations? No, I don't. Um, because I think that it's all of these, when you talk about all together, black is beautiful, curtains up, there's been a few others, even resilience, you know, which was happening before, uh, the pandemic hit, uh, and there was the the you know Australian breweries did it for their wildfires at the end of 2019 as well, which feels like a lifetime ago. Um, there is renewed interest, and these things get shared on social media, and they usually bleed outside of this craft beer bubble that everybody is living in, uh, and so it, it can help bring attention to your brewery in a way that's sort of earned media, natural media, as opposed to uh, just speaking to the same audience again and again and again. So I think being a part of that and then you know, saying, okay, well, this is gonna benefit this local acting company, or this is gonna benefit this chapter of the NAACP or whatever it is, um, that introduces your brand to a whole new market. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think, if, if somebody has fatigue with it, they're just not doing it the right way. No, I absolutely love that. Now, one thing I want to talk about right now is we talk a lot about innovation, but all this downtime and we've had these closures through the pandemic, a lot of breweries have turned their focus to improvements, whether that's just, you know, remodeling the tap room, you know, upping their cleaning protocol. I think everybody's absolutely done that. You know, from U5's perspectives, what neat improvements and just what valuable improvements, more importantly, have you seen to the pandemic where breweries just kind of step back and say, hey, we need to refine this process. We need to fix this. We need to better our equipment. How have you seen companies improve, you know, from that lens? Yeah, so on our side, we've I definitely, think, uh, oh, go ahead, Laura. Well, I was just going to say, I think one of the most important aspects of that process, and I've seen some cool things, is the mental health um, support that it provides everybody in the process, because it does get everybody off that dead center uh, low-level trauma or higher-level trauma that we're all dealing with on a regular basis. When you start doing things like that, you're thinking forward, you're thinking ahead, you're strategizing, and it's a, it's a it's enabling. It just helps you get off that that traumatic, awful space. Um, I've seen a lot of people reworking their tasting rooms, rethinking how their food program works or doesn't work, rethinking how their food trucks are great or not so great and kind of trying to figure out how to do that. Talking about contactless or a different strategy for getting the the, the beer to their customers. Um, just some real cool innovation, but some basics like painting um, that you just never get to. Um, but I think that mental health piece is pretty awesome. They're not in the brewery necessarily to do yoga all the time anymore like they used to be or do some of those fun, awesome team building things. Now it's more like how can you how can you help people? You know, the, the other thing that I've seen as well, and this is, I think, one good part of the pandemic and mental health is is, is a thousand percent accurate, Laura, and, and people need to be checking in with themselves and their staff and their family all along like and, and realize that we're all going through this together and that everybody is sort of, you know, at, at their wits end. Uh, my, my wife uh, said to me just the other day that with the vaccine starting to roll out now that when she finally feels that we're, we're back on track and that things can get back to a little bit of normalcy, she just wants to get into bed for three days and cry and then go to a really good party. Um, and, and I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, but it, it, what I've seen is brewers are really starting to think about recipes as well. Uh, and this is something that I've been harping on for years, but there's never been an excuse for anybody who calls himself a professional brewer to put out shitty beer. And if you're knowingly putting out diacetyl, if you're knowingly putting out oxidized beer, if you have a canning line where your DO isn't uh, dialed in um, and you're selling bad beer to customers to try to make money, that's fraud. 
and you need to stop that. And there have been a lot of breweries that were just running at a thousand miles a minute uh, to try to keep up that the pandemic sort of helped them put the brakes on a little bit. And people, I hope, are starting to change some of their recipes, their brewing processes, so that by the time we get out of this, and even over the last couple of months, uh, recipes have changed, have gotten better, uh, and we're not getting shitty pints, we're not getting shitty cans, you know? Uh, ex exploding cans may be fun on the internet, it's, it's just a sign that you're an amateur. And if you can't do that, seriously get out of the business. You know, because they're, they're, you're ruining it for a lot of other people. And I know that's not a popular opinion with some of like the younger fans these days, uh, but it's 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 a hundred percent true. So uh, if you have a bad beer, if you've been putting out bad beer, use this time to change your recipes, to change your processes, uh, and make sure that you come out of the pandemic you know, cleaner. You know, vaccinate your beers. <laughs> Is that going to be the next collaboration campaign we see? Vaccinate your beers. I just like the tone of it. <laughs> I, 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 I know, you know, you focus a lot on the e-commerce space. Have you seen a lot of breweries taking this time to improve their websites or are the breweries you're working with already breweries that, you know, they got it. They got a little bit more of the business side of the industry already. Or are you seeing those who might have had you know, the John Hall explained exploding cans, understanding that they also need to improve their business, you know, on the website front? Yeah, I think it's a I think it's across the board for sure. I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, to Laura's point, you know, this is an opportunity for breweries to kind of get out of the the flow of the normal business. So get your head up, be a little bit strategic, which means that you you probably look around at your business at this point and there's lots of different improvements you can make either on the production side, the sales side, the connection side, the branding side, you know, all of that. So I know for a number of our breweries, it's also been an opportunity for ownership just to kind of say, wait a second, <laughs> we're being forced to slow down here. We're being forced to take a pause. Like, is this the relationship that we want to have with our business moving forward? We expect that we're going to survive this, but is this the, the 17 hours a day, seven days a week kind of experience that we want to have moving forward? And we've seen a number of our breweries start to change their business model a little bit. They're only going to work five days a week. Maybe the production numbers are down a little bit, but they're going to choose to sell their stuff uh, through more of a high margin sales channel and and double down in those efforts. So taking a fresh look at at this, I think, is is an important component and maybe the the blessing in disguise with COVID. And I'd say no, quickly with that as, as well, um, one of the things I noticed during this time, to John Kelly's point, was, was a cleanup of that. And actually, John Kelly and John Hall's point, um, you know, a cleanup digitally of their brand you know what i mean so they have a, an equal representation online that they also have in store and um and one of the things that was really important from an e-commerce side that i saw was was making it user friendly um because that's one of the most important things is that user experience um because early on i saw when people were doing let's say direct to home they didn't have the site or the, the e-commerce set up for that. And I remember there was a couple I ordered where I had to type the beer I wanted into address line two because there wasn't its own, or they had two brand lines and I had to go to two different websites and pay individual ship, you know, and those kind of things. And so that was fine in week one, but they used that time to say, okay, this might be bigger in the future. We need to clean this up. Yeah, that gets a little messy when you're having to deal with an inefficient experience, whether in person or, you know, virtually. Now, while we could talk forever about all these fantastic topics, you know, I am going to start to wind this down right now. You know, I want to go back in a circle one more time. We're going to start with Marcus on this one. And I'm going to pose this question at the end of every panel over the next two days. You know, what has been your greatest bright spot through the pandemic, through 2020? And Marcus, I'd love to hear, you know, a bright spot either in your life or with your business that you've experienced this year. Sure. Uh, that's a really great question. And, uh, Thanks for putting me on the spot as number one for the whole panel fest. Hey, we're just going to the I'm not picking on you. <laughs> um, that's a good question. So I think uh, per I'll answer it in two parts, personally and professionally. So personally, um, I think it's really forced me to uh, take a step back and slow down um, in my life in general. Um, I also got a puppy during the pandemic, which has definitely helped my uh, mental state of being. And uh, it's forced me to get outside, go for walks, be more active. Uh, as puppies do. So that's a plus right there. Um, but it's forced me to, uh, you know, on the whole mental health subject uh, to really focus and take care of myself first, because 
we're all in this together and it, we're not alone. We're, we're dealing with it ourselves, but you know, everyone is dealing with it in their own way, uh, personally. Uh, professionally on the Timberyard and Perfect Evolution side of things, um, I'm in, thankfully and gratefully, I'm in the digital space, which is, you know, booming for lack of a better term, cliche term. Um, so the e-commerce world and the, the design and online marketing world uh, has really been a focal point. People have really zoned in on that. Um, so I think I'm really thankful that uh, I've picked the right career path and I'm, and I'm happy to, to help and dive into that uh, with a lot of new, new clients that came on board. Devin, you're up. Yeah. Um, so just like Marcus said, you know, given my industry, um, transitioning from working in the office to working from home was was pretty seamless, um, which I'm which I'm very thankful for. Um, but you know, from that that professional side, and I'll speak specifically to you know interacting with breweries, um, it, it was a big opportunity for me to say I want to learn more, not just about the you know, the breweries, but their process, what makes them unique. Those are the types of things when I visit them in person, I like to see, now let me do that virtually or digitally and, and try and introduce myself or learn more breweries, even in my area, um, which kind of actually then stems into, you know, from, from a personal, you know, standpoint was just kind of keep finding things to do so that I don't morph into my couch. Um, and like during this, I've been, you know, I worked 10 years in the industry and I've been a fan of beer since the minute I turned 21. And, uh, <laughs> um, and this year was the first time I ever homebrew. Um, I started some friends, you know, we met and I, you know, we've rolled out four beers that we've done and it was just, I knew the process. It was the first time I had a chance to roll up my sleeves and do it. As you can see, I'm, I'm an established painter. I painted this Jackson Pollock here that I display proudly. Um, but I was like, I want to do stuff, you know what I mean? And, and even if I'm going to be home, what stuff can I do? So. Yeah, I think just getting out and about like Marcus has and just finding new hobbies to dive into. And I still need to find time to get back into home brewing. But no, I'm glad you found some positive from the year, Devin. And Laura, what about you? I know I've enjoyed following all the masks you've been helping create through the pandemic. So that's something I've seen as a positive through your pandemic experience. But from your point of view, you know, what's a positive you've had in your life this year? Um, it's It's been really interesting to be in a whole different place. Um, Cleveland is very different. Um, in, in the craft beer scene than Colorado is, um, for sure. So in addition to, to personally being in a new space full time, which is the same space I grew up in however many years ago, uh, which is weird, but being an adult in this space, but being a beer person in this space is just very different and finding your, finding your feet. But it's, it's, uh, it's cool to see what still translates. You know, the basics of the beer community are a little different here, but they're still um they're still real and i've also found myself connecting more and and finding a deeper appreciation for the relationships that i've developed over the years in the craft beer industry um, finding more that i can do from a distance finding that validity of experience regardless of the particular space i'm in um, it still translates and so that's been a really good um personal feeling to find it's taken a while to find it we do also, my dad and I have a pandemic pet as well. So um, we have a kitty cat that's uh, teaching me some new patients too. Um, and, you know, it's just good to be able to take that time to just play. And I haven't done that in a long time. No, I love it. I'm glad you've seen some positives from it. And like you, I've really enjoyed the opportunity, albeit virtually, to connect with so many great people in the industry through all of this. So I've really enjoyed the conversation with you five today. So just another opportunity for us having a little human interaction to make the most of the pandemic. Now, John Hall, tell us a little bit about the positive you've seen in 2020. So uh, it, it's twofold. It's personal and professional. I'll keep it short. But, you know, I, I was traveling a lot uh, over the last couple of years, you know, at beer festivals or conferences or just for, for articles and everything. So being home and now having a three and a half year old and being able to hang out with her uh, during the day every day uh, is awesome. Uh, I, I know all of the lyrics to both Frozen movies and all of the shorts as well. And uh, I'm very proud of that. And, uh, you know, but the fact that I get to hang out with her, it has been a, a, a real great, uh, great thing out of this, uh, uh, the, this really dark time. And, you know, professionally, 
uh, just after the beginning of the year, I launched you know, my own business for the first time. Uh, with Andy Crouch, we launched Beer Edge, which does uh, the Drink Beer, Think Beer podcast and the Beer Edge podcast and a newsletter and everything. And you know, the the chance to watch that audience grow, to 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 really put our stamp on something, and to uh, try to add to the media world that is covering beer um, has been really difficult, uh, and but also really rewarding at the same time. And I, just really quick, I just want to say to everybody that. I, I, as small business owners, as small brewery owners, I know a lot of folks uh, are looking for you know that support from consumers. Don't forget about media in that as well. You know, there's not as much beer media as there once was, um, and subscriptions to magazines like BI, uh, BYO or to wine enthusiasts, you know, help support journalists, help support keep news out there. You know, subscribing to services uh, that that ask for subscription fees, uh, help keep journalists in business, help keep uh, you know things going uh, and covering the industry really well. Patreon for podcasts that you think are doing a great job. Uh, a few bucks, you know, a buck or two goes a long way to help keeping independent media alive and doing really well. And so as much as you're all looking for the support from your local community, don't forget the people who are covering this community as well. Uh, and a buck or two to the places that you think are doing a good job uh, helps keep us afloat. So there you go. Definitely go and listen to John Hall's podcast. It's fantastic stuff. I enjoy learning each week from you. But like John said, you know, the industry isn't just a brewer. Support everyone who makes your beer industry better whether it's the journalists whether it's people providing the yeast there's so many people involved and i think we're all in this together you know john kelly on to you all right well i know we're way over here so i'll keep this really short i'll also do professional and personal uh from a professional uh, perspective i think it's always it's one of those things when things are going really well um it's easy to be in a great mood and it's easy to be collaborative and it's easy to uh, to display a lot of positivity. It's only when things really become challenging that you figure out, you know, what the what people are really made of. And I think that it's been inspiring for us this year, just to see how this market has come together, just to see how this industry continues to push itself forward, to innovate, to remain creative, and to be adaptive and and damn it gritty. <laughs> so I think that uh, that that's provided us a, a, a lot of inspiration working with our customers this year. And uh, I, I think that's important that, you know, this whole thing just didn't fall apart. We're dealing with, with good stuff here in this industry. Um, the second thing on the personal side is I also picked up a puppy this year, my first puppy ever. This has been a learning experience for me. And that got here about a month before my first grandbaby. So between grandbabies and puppies, uh, I've had an awesome 2020. Uh, it's been quite the year, and I appreciate you five joining us today. Marcus, Devin, Laura, John Hall, and John Kelly. Your insight is much appreciated by myself, but also everybody watching. So thank you again, and here's to a even better 2021. I look forward to sharing a beer with all of you, both you five right here and everybody watching today, and hopefully the next year. So cheers, thank you, and enjoy the rest of your Monday. Thanks, Andrew. Bye, guys. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks,